Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Extra Review podcast, the podcast we started when we had no air shows to review. My name is Sam and joining me today are... Dom. And Dan. And also joining us today is Trevor Graham, who is one of the founding, uh, well, founders of the Midlands Air Festival, uh, the show's director of aviation, and then once the weekend rolls around, the flying display director, as well as the managing director of Slipstream Management, uh, the aviation events company that uh, manages the show. Trevor, thank you very much for coming on. Pleasure, uh, Sam, uh, for inviting me. And uh, yes, I'm running out of hats for all those titles. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is it is a lot of hats to have on your head, and I'm, I'm sure it's uh, uh, no small feat to have got to that point. So, I mean, first of all, maybe you could give us a little bit of background about yourself and explain how you started out in air shows and aviation and, and how you got to where you are now. It, it's a very long and involved story, and it sort of spreads over nearly 40 years. Um, uh, we started out as a family company supplying uh, sound systems, uh, big sound systems. And uh, we got the contract for the Biggin Hill Airfare, did that for a few few years. And then um, uh, we were invited to join uh, Great Warbirds at uh, West Walling with Ellie Salingbow and uh, continued with her for, well, until we finished uh, that show uh, there and moved it to uh, Rawton in Swindon. Uh, that was the start. And then um, I started getting in more f- more from the technical side into the commentary side, basically uh, being the commentator's assistant, then the deputy commentator, um, then commentary production, um, giving ideas for how stuff could be done better, mm-hmm. how displays could be turned into more of a production rather than just flying an aircraft. Uh, and that went on and got more and more. And then eventually I got into creating air shows with other flying directors, um, fighter meet, uh, flying legends, uh, all those sort of classic uh, air shows. Um, and then one day uh, I decided uh, after a bit of a, oh, it was just, no, it was just before a, uh, uh, a personal tragedy, um, uh, where my mother and my wife died within about six weeks of each other. But just before that, we decided to give it a go on our own show, our own little show, which was uh, Old Serum. Mm-hmm. And uh, that went extremely well. And we got a lot of critical acclaim for it. Quite a small show, but um, it seemed to be what the public wanted at the time. Uh, then, of course, uh, three weeks before the show uh, went out, the uh, Shoreham hit us. And yeah. um, so we were the only people in the country trying to put on an air show three weeks after Shoreham. And that gave us a massive amount of problems. Um, but it all worked. Um, we didn't lose our shirts. Everybody liked it. And uh, then I uh, was asked to um, run uh, uh, Western Superman. <clears throat> and I created Western Superman for the council down there. Mm-hmm. Ran that for five, five or six years. Um, then we looked around and uh, I was on a ballooning um, event uh, down in Eastbourne, uh, which was appalling weather. Um, so of course there was no ballooning. So uh, there's an awful lot of sitting around talking about ballooning, a ballooning <laughs> event, not a lot of flying balloons. <laughs> so, um, and I, I was also at the time uh, the main commentator for the Bristol Balloon Fiesta, which was the biggest one in the country. 
and I did that for 14 years as well. So I've got a background in ballooning mm-hmm. and display flying as well. Probably unique in this country. Uh, there's mm. plenty of people out there that have got both, got got either, but not both. Um, had a bit of a chat with uh, a young chap, uh, James McDonald, who uh, had come to uh, Bristol on a number of occasions, who was a balloonist himself. And uh, we got chatting, decided to uh, think about a combined show um, because you can't really f- have a totally dedicated balloon show. You have to have sure. something else. So I decided that it would be a good idea to put an international air show and an international balloon fiesta together um, so that if the balloons didn't fly, pretty good uh, pretty good. Um, guess that you're going to get some uh, display flying as well, some aviation. Mm-hmm. We then sort of tentatively said, yeah, what a great idea it would be. And then sort of dropped into it by, we started looking for sites uh, and uh, Radley Hall came up on the on the radar. Uh, and then once we found the site, we really couldn't back out then. We were sort of committed. Um, neither of us wanted to say we didn't want to do it. And both of us actually did want to do it and um we had the sort of facilities to do it and then we did the first one which again was uh, critically acclaimed mm. uh, not not many people came um which was our fault because we didn't know how to market the thing at the time uh, we do now and that's how it started um and uh, thankfully the weather was very kind to us we had fantastic ballooning weather and fantastic flying weather uh, and everything went off fine Slight problem was at the end of that show, which was the first show at Ragley Hall, the manager there uh, came up and said, oh, fantastic show. Never seen anything like it. Wonderful. Um, shame you can't come back next year, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and we said, well, we are coming back next year. We, we, you know, we've signed a contract with you. Oh, he said, it's been a big mistake. He said, we've actually sold off your, your date uh, oh. to the caravan club. And there's going to be a big caravan oh, meeting here. Yeah. Really? So uh, we were immediately dumped back in the position of uh, do it in two years' time, which I thought would be disastrous for us mm-hmm. because we have to start over again uh, with, with PR and getting people established on that site. So we took it to another um, country house. We just about got away with it, I think. It kept people kept the show in the public eye sure. and uh, we went back to Ragley and uh, we've gone from strength to strength ever since. Well, I, I, having having mentioned Ragley, I mean, it's obviously the show is inherently associated with that, with the location. What does Ragley Hall offer you as a venue that um, nowhere else does? What makes it unique for Midlands Air Festival? Unique. Well, it's fully enclosed for a start. Mm-hmm. So we haven't got, um, we haven't got a lot of secondary spectators and uh, uh, photographers hanging about on the end of the runway and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's good in that respect. We've got a about a 450 meter uh, temporary strip there for the smaller aircraft. Uh, I say smaller. We did we've had the Bronco in there several times, mm-hmm. which is um, pretty pretty good. Um, you know, just 75 meters away from the crowd, landing on a on a rough strip. Uh, lots of fun there. Um, but but also we've got. Uh, Class G airspace uh, above us to about 6,000 feet. Uh, we can go out to um, a radius on the, of about 3,000, uh, three, three nautical miles. Um, 
for our restricted airspace. So, um, and it's a lovely place to have an air show. Mm. It's a great venue. It's a great setting. Um, and uh, we've developed our own uh, our own audience for that uh, that uh, display in that place. Um, not saying you couldn't do it anywhere else, but it's tricky. Um, and of course, uh, Shoreham changed all the rules and regulations. So there's not many places that have got all that. Plus, they've got a low-flying area uh, that starts 230 meters away from the crowd line. So yeah, all the, all the all the ducks lined up in a row, really, and um, and people just love to come. They love to see an air show in those in, in environment, and um, you're never going to get closer to uh, the aircraft. Uh, we're we're right on the on the legal limits of how many meters away we are from the crowd and that's uh, 230 for the big stuff 150 for the medium stuff and 75 meters uh, for the, the very small stuff like mm. the turbine mm-hmm. stuff like was it always a decision to have it at a venue such as Ragley Hall rather than an airfield in the Midlands or we looked around at airfields and um, the more we looked at airfields the more it became clear that our audience uh, is going to be a unique audience. It's not going to be the standard. Um, I hate the word anorak, and, I, and it's 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 derogatory to call them anoraks. But the, the the hardened enthusiasts that are only there for the actual aircraft. Mm-hmm. We think that there is a market, developed market for people that have never been to an air show before. Um, and in our first two at Ragley. We did a straw poll. Fifty percent uh, of our audience had never been to an aviation event. Oh, really? Fifty oh, percent. Wow. And Gee. that, to me, was a massive win because one of the things we do it for is to inspire uh, young people and people that have never been to an air show or they haven't got a major interest in it. We want to get them back into air shows. We want to get them off their phones. We want to get them out of their bedrooms. We want to get them out on the grass. And this is a way of doing it. And um, it's working. It's it's interesting that you say about, obviously, from that, that straw poll that you did, 50% had never been to an air show before. And you wanted to make it more of like a, a family-based event rather than purely for enthusiasts. And it's interesting looking particularly through the lineup for this year. Obviously, last year you got the Dragon, which I'm sure we'll speak a little bit more about, but like this year you've got the likes of the F-86 Sabre announced, uh, the Vampire Tier 11's coming back. And it, sort of and you the, could the describe Flying those Balls as, DC-6 perhaps as well in particular. Yeah, yeah, you could you could describe those very much as obviously you know the casual in inverted commas air show go will obviously like that, but from an enthusiast point of view, these are like big hitter sort yep. of aircraft to get um and i was just wondering sort of things like that how do you go about picking those because obviously you you've got to be mindful that not everyone's going to know what a dc6 is but is there an, an element of going the enthusiast really going to like that let's try and get that booked in sort of thing we love the we would we love the enthusiasts to come because most of the enthusiasts that do come to regley and they've had it on their reserve list or not even on their list at all, all go away happy. They all go away mm-hmm. having a great time. 
yeah, it's not it's not Flying Legends. It's a different show to Flying Legends, um, or even or Cywell this year. Uh, it was Flying Legends last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a different audience, but we still, I still pick those aircraft that I know will in, enthuse and inspire the non-aviation guys yeah. and their families. Um, and also those people that want to come that are in, enthusiasts, they will get, they will get some value out of the show as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's still, the aircraft are still picked with, um, inspiration and, um, excitement that we know will, will attract those people. Uh, they will attract attract both elements. Uh, mm. We're still sticking with our our main audience, but we want to put stuff in there for serious enthusiasts if they want to come. And we we know that both sides of the the coin are are viable. I think you've probably got the perfect combination there of getting the mix between it. I mean, we've been sort of in our group talking about the flying bulls. Um, obviously, they seem to be doing a bit of a bit of like a mini UK tour this year. Um, particularly with those guys, I mean, the DC-6 is beautiful. It's a stunning piece of um, metal. <laughs> but um, was it a case of the, you contacted them or did they say, we're coming to the UK, would you like us to attend your show? How did, how did that sort of... We don't really know. Answer? I've been trying to get the uh, the Bulkow helicopter, the 105, um, for a long time. Yeah. Because I yeah. think the 105 is perfect for uh, for... Our, our, our venue and our audience mm. i can sell it, i can sell it you know upside down air helicopters you know <laughs> our public think what yeah we have to see that so um i started the ball rolling about two years ago to get them here um we had them at uh, flying legends uh last year we had the p38 and the uh, b25 um Beautiful aircraft, lovely display. Um, and I thought, well, okay. And then I got a phone call uh, from Simon Purchase saying that, um, would we like some other stuff? And of course we said yes. And the P38 and the B25 was mentioned then. So I said yes. Um, and then it developed from there that Duxford said, oh, can we share share them with you? And I mm. said, well, yes, okay, of course. We'll base them at Duxford and, you know, we'll have them for the display. Uh, and then it sort of picked up uh, momentum. And then we were offered the DC-6. Uh, I think at the time when we were offered the DC-6, we were only going to be the only people that got it. Uh, but now Duxford seems to have got it on their list as well. So, well, that's okay. You know, uh, there's plenty of... Our, our audience, again, is different to Duxford's audience. Sure. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're okay with that. We, we can share stuff. So it's it's interesting you say that because um, something we've talked about, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, and it's something we've we've certainly had a few discussions about in our in our sort of UCAR group chats before, is to what extent the general airshow public, you know, has an appreciation for um, things like DC six and and Saber and stuff like that. You know, the enthusiast gems and. Obviously, the figure you gave earlier with 50% of the people having never been to an aviation event before. What are your thoughts on that? Like, to, to what extent... Uh, you say, obviously, they, 
you book them because you know that they'll inspire the, the audience and, and still be able to give that message across. But, you know, I, I think our general opinion is that, yes, people know what these things are. They go to an aviation event because they'll enjoy them and they'll understand them. Um, and I just want to know what your thoughts were on that and, and to what extent you think uh, your typical audience does know what these things are. Um, they they might not know exactly what they are, but in our social media, in our advertising, we tend to do a little bit more explaining of what they are and, and what they're going to look like. Um, yep. We'd probably get it in the neck a little bit for over-explaining for, as far as the enthusiasts are concerned. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the language we use is a little bit more down to earth and not not uh not put out as though everybody knows what we're talking about if you mm -hmm. know what i mean um so we'll explain what an f86 saber is what it does how exciting it is and how noisy it is what a fantastic thing it's going to be for you to see it um so we we market it in a different way um obviously the uh in the enthusiasts will know exactly what it is as soon as we announce it mm -hmm. but our our audience need to be um brought along brought along they need to be um uh encouraged and of course we've got a very very good um commentary team uh to explain things in uh, both technically mm -hmm. uh, and also uh in um in inspirational terms as well mm. so that possibly leads quite nicely into one of the questions we had for you uh, more regarding last year's show, perhaps, than this one's, but um, I think we 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 discussed at the time uh, on here uh, when the Draken appeared last year. Uh, obviously, it was maybe a bit more of a, a flash in the pan than um, a, a full-blooded display. <laughs> uh, and I think Dom, Dom in particular, you'd mentioned that the commentary had really been. Um, egging it up to some degree about how loud it was going to be and amazing and and then it sort of i think it did it one or two fly pass and disappeared yeah, we had three yeah. three fly pass uh, yeah which, which weren't really on 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 station but you know he did his best yeah uh, basically um atc all the way down from teesside where he did his first refueling stop uh he asked for high level uh so he could save fuel Mm -hmm. They gave him 4,000 feet all the way down from Teesside to us. In a dragon. In a dragon. Fantastic. And so he was, you know, um, bless him, Lars did his absolute best for us to get there. He could have just binned it and said, no, it's too, you know, well, it's too marginal. Uh, but he didn't. He got to us. He gave us what he could. Mm. And uh, then he had to bug out. And, um, you know, we don't want to, we, we don't, we don't want to put our, uh, we don't want to put stress on our pilots for the sake of a display. Uh, they can always come back another year, which he's doing. So we're going to get a, a much louder, noisier, full display this year. Um, so that was uh, an extra, really, because we obviously weren't planning to have him back this year. We're going to have the, the 86. Uh, so they wanted desperately to come back uh, and prove that they could do an eight-minute slot. <laughs> <laughs> so they came to you first to offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they definitely wanted to, um, you know, uh, right the wrongs mm -hmm. but you know he did what he could and uh, he did all the fuel calculations and he was uh, really low on fuel and uh, had to get back to the nearest sure. get back to his uh, fuel fuel place because you can't land a draken 
ev anywhere, everywhere. Mm. Um, because it's got, uh, because it uses uh, drogue shoe for braking, braking drogue shoe, a lot of the commercial airports now won't accept an aircraft with a drogue shoe. Really? Right. Yeah. Uh, we had him in going into Norwich, uh, and that was fine. They're all happy. Yeah, we can come in and we'll refuel him and all that. And then uh, he happened to mention, oh, can somebody come and pick the drogue shoe up? Uh, oh, alarm bells went off, and you'd have thought he was uh, uh, dancing with the devil. So no, they couldn't. They wouldn't uh, wouldn't allow it. So that we had to right at the last minute uh, sort out Teesside as his first fuel stop. Uh, but that was a bit farther away than we wanted from Norwich. So, mm. Yeah, it was um, it was interesting, uh, and we proved that we we were going to do it because there are a lot of people. Oh, I say a lot. There were a few people out there saying no. Nah, they're just saying they're going to get it, you know, just to get the ticket sales. No, we never do that. Mm. If um, if we're going to have something, we'll do our absolute best to get it there. Um, and I've known other, you know, many, many air shows in the past, not ones that are, that are actually going now, but have used that tactic, um, basically saying they've got something, sell really? the tickets, and then technically, well, we've had it, you know, it's technical, it's um, can't come not on the day. That would be that would be pretty awful to find out if you bought your ticket, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, and, and you know sometimes it happens beyond your control. Uh, excuse me. It happens beyond your control. <clears throat> you get the red arrows, for instance, uh, and a show's been bigged up with the red arrows coming, <clears throat> and they are coming. You know, they take off, they come, uh, and the cloud base is too low yeah. even for the for the flat show. Uh, and they're there, you know, you can hear them, and sometimes you can even get a little flash. I mean, one year we had that at uh, Western Supermare with them hanging around um, for six or seven minutes, going backwards and forwards. You could just get a little flash of a, of a red hawk every now and then, but the cloud base was, was had it, and they just turned around and went back to Bristol, and that was that. Um, loads of people stupidly saying, that uh, they were never going to display anyway there. It was just a trick, you know, just to get us there. But mm. generally these days, people don't do that because, mm. A, it's, you know, we just don't do it anymore. And, B, there's too much social media and too many hanger rats and people on airfields who know about these things and yeah. instantly broadcast if, um, you know, we... Classic example, many, many years ago, we were going to have a, some special warbird. I can't remember what it was. And um, we were all convinced at the show we were going to get it. And we were saying, well, he's, you know, he'll be taken off soon. And then we get a message from somebody on the airfield saying, well, it's going to be interesting how he's going to take off because his engine's still out on a, on a stand. <laughs> so you can't get away with it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I, th I, th I seem to remember, because I actually went to Old Sarah Mare show, was it, I think 2015, was it? Something like that, yeah. To, yeah. To, yeah, and obviously the first and only time that it took place, and I remember that you guys had got the the Vulcan because yes, playing, playing at the Goodwood Revival. That's it. Yeah, and I remember it. I might be mistaken here, but it ended up not displaying because it had a fuel leak or something like that. So it that's what we were told. Yes, yeah, it got within about seven miles of us. Yeah, I remember seeing it in the distance. <laughs> it's in the distance, and uh, he was say it said that was the story. I don't know whether that was correct or not or whether it was an hour's time uh, hours time hours problem um mm. but i don't 
I think it was genuine because uh, Goodwood never got it either. I, I remember people saying, "Oh, it was never going to." Just literally, as you've said, going, "Oh yeah, oh, it was never going to turn up." It was, you know, it was just to get punters through the gate. And I said, "That's." I mean, I can literally see it in the distance. Yeah, there it is. You know, you're not going to make it up. It's funny how bloody-minded some people can be when something <laughs> doesn't show up and they they just they smell blood sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think it's a disappointment coming out in some some people express disappointment in different ways yeah and uh, there's there's always the conspiracy theorist that yeah. uh, wants to stir up a stir up his particular theory um but you know generally most of the show organizers in fact all of the show organizers that are uh, current are all pretty straight people they, they don't do yeah. stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah it's not so it's, it, you do it once you get found out you're a laughing stock and people don't come yeah. anymore so it's, it's pointless. Yep. So it's better just to be honest and truthful about what's happened to the item that that can't make it, or you know, like in our case, had a short display, and um, we didn't get any complaints. We didn't get one complaint that he was short. Uh, we didn't get one. It's, a, it's interesting. We didn't get one complaint at Old Serum that the Vulcan didn't get there. Not one. Oh, good. Excellent. That's good. I suppose it's just as long as things are communicated, people will generally understand. I mean, people yeah. can moan, moan and whine and and post whatever they want on social media, but I guess if that's just them venting their frustration in some you know pig-headed way, then they're not actually going to write in with it as a complaint because they know that it's not <laughs> the case. No, it's um, it's hard, especially if you paid money to go there. You know, it's it's different if it's a seaside show. If you mm. paid a ticket and you bought a ticket specifically to go and see that aircraft and it doesn't mm. turn up, you're going to feel disappointed. But we had so many people come up on the, on Old Serum and say, we came to see the Vulcan, but the rest of the show was so yeah. good, it didn't matter. So, Going slightly back, uh, backtracking slightly to the to the Draken, um, you mentioned that it should be a full display this year and presumably that is going to be the case with the F-86 as well. And it might be um, showing the ignorance on my part, perhaps, of, of the current airship scene. But what are the rules around uh, classic jet displays in the UK now? Because I, I had always understood, certainly post Shoreham, that it was limited and you, you couldn't you know do any aerobatics or anything like that. But that seems to have changed now. Is that no, the case? The, the rules are still the same. You can't do um, uh, what what are known as formal aerobatics over land in a swept wing aircraft. Mm. So. We have to design a display that looks like to the to the general public that looks like an aerobatic display that doesn't contain formal aerobatic manoeuvres. Okay. So there'll be wing overs, fly pass, pull ups, drops, um, all that sort of stuff to make it look like it's a display. And in many ways, um, for the photographer, it's a better display because you've got more aircraft time in front of you than you mm. have doing big loops. Yeah. You go and see it over the. Oh, if you go to um, Jersey Air Show, for instance, it does <clears throat> full full aerobatics there. Yep. But it's it's at ten thousand feet, six thousand feet. Yeah. Uh, you know, two miles out coming in. With us, it's two hundred and thirty meters away, backwards and forwards, up and down. So you're going to see more of it up front, and you're going to hear it hear it more uh, at our show than you will do at a full aerobatics show. So. Uh, the fact is that if nobody's got the um, the uh, 
well, bravery to put it politely, to put these things on and bring them in the country and get them get them certified. <clears throat> We're never going to get them back yeah. to aeronautics if you don't have yeah. them. Um, and um, it, yeah, it's it's sort of a brave thing to have them. There's a lot of um, nonsense going on to even get them here, um, and they've got to be DA. They've got to have their display authorization ratified here mm. um and they've got to be given a uk display authorization at the moment the ca is not allowing any foreign um da's to be recognized so every pilot we bring in <clears throat> there is a whole backstory of getting him uh with a uk display authorization from really? a uk dae yeah <laughs> Yeah, so it's not just a question of uh, you know signing the check and uh, giving him the, his time slot. It's it's a, a massive. Uh, and of course, we've got to do all this for the Red Bull pilots as well. Mm. I mean, it's it, you're absolutely right that it it is just a case of of bravery, for want of a better word. It, you have to be able to put these things on to say, look, there's nothing wrong with them. They can display and people enjoy them and. I can't imagine you're getting any complaints from people going, how can you fly these things in front of a crowd? Because Not yet. <clears throat> no, we haven't had any problems with um, press have all been very supportive. Mm. Um, and the, the, you know, the pilots put on a safe display. Um, whether or not we'll get back to full aerobatics uh, is a moot point. We don't know that. And I don't really think the CAA know when that will happen, if it will happen. But I, I see, uh, you know, we've we've brought the aircraft back, we've put them in the air over over the public at a public display. If we can get in future a, a small dispensation to do um, an aileron roll or a roll down the crowd line, then that will be a step forward. But I mean, what's the alternative? You don't see them do uh, don't see them doing full aerobatics. You don't see them doing at all. Yeah. You don't get those aircraft to come to this country at at the uh, landside shows. What what what's the alternative? So, you either support those people that are putting these aircraft in front of the public, or um, you don't see them at all. So, mm. what's that's the choice. That's one thing that we've been discussing quite quite often. You know, we've we've said it for a couple of years now that someone just needs to, maybe for want of a better of a phrase, just get their balls in hand and just get it done to open the gates to let it know you know it can be done safely and have people enjoying it so it's good to see that you know an event that is local to me you know it's less than 45 minutes away is that event to potentially do that to lead to hopefully better things for other air shows in the future that's that's one of the reasons why uh, the midlands air festival came about um uh, after shoreham and after the uh, the covid thing Basically, the the industry was dying in this country. There were no new shows. We were, <clears throat> the only old Serum and this one Midlands were the only new shows in about eight to nine years. Um, wow. So something had to be done, really. And um, uh, I've been in this industry, you know, thirty five, forty years, and I didn't want to see the industry die, and I didn't want to see a whole generation lose what i've been uh, privileged to to witness mm. over all those years it seems to uh, you know although we're we're not a, a flying legends we're not a sidewell but it seems to have opened the door for other people to say well they did it so why can't we we'll have a go 
So that's all we ask, really. Sort of changing, changing it a little bit, sort of talking about the other element of the air show, um, the balloon aspect of it. I mean, I'm going to be honest now. Uh, when it comes to hot air balloons, I'm a total novice. I know next to nothing about them. <laughs> but how does how does that process? I mean, obviously you mentioned Bristol Balloon Fiesta, which is I think is, I'm I'm right in thinking that's still the biggest one. Um, no, no, you. Oh, is it? Ch- oh, right, okay. We are the biggest one now in Europe. Oh, oh wow! Okay, that's good. We're the largest largest hot air balloon uh, gathering in, in Europe. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Um, so for something like that, how does how does that sort of work with? Um, the chaps that have got balloons is it sort of do, do you have like a criteria as to what you want to attend in terms of the balloons obviously because you've got so many you know different shapes and sizes and things like that or how, how does that sort of all work out well we put out um, uh, the deal for balloons are, are different um, slightly different because they're not actually display items um, okay. they're just taking off and, la- and, and landing somewhere else they're not covered by the Article 86 uh, display um, regulations because they're not displaying really; they're just taken off. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we we put out a um, uh, applications for those pilots that want to come to the show. Um, James uh, McDonald, my 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 business partner, is very very well held in the ballooning um, scene. And therefore, we get an awful lot of people wanting to come. We've generally oversubscribed. Uh, And the the, uh, thing about balloons is that they only can fly really in this country um, early in the morning, late in the evening. Yep. We can we can do a bit if the weather's right, we can do a bit of tethering uh, in the middle of the day, but you can't fly them uh, because the very thing that um, is good for uh, gliders, which are thermal activity. Thermal activity is actually bad for balloons uh, because it tends to uh, push all the air out of them and deflate them, which is not good right. when you're yeah. at 6,000 no, feet. No, suboptimal. <laughs> That's it. So um, it works very well with the air display because uh, in the morning we've got something going on. If you want to get up very early or the campers get up early and watch the balloons take off, then later on in the day, we've got the air show. And then as soon as the air show finishes, uh, out come 100 balloons uh, and start inflating. So if you if you just hang on after the last um, display in about 10 to 15 minutes, you'll see uh, a magnificent sight, uh, again, subject to the weather. Uh, you'll see a magnificent sight of 100 balloons inflating and taking off, filling the sky with all these shapes and colours. So... It's um, it works, but you've really got to know balloons and balloonists because they are very different animals to display pilots and displays. Sure. Um, you that's why we you know we've we've got the perfect combination of display knowledge and balloon knowledge. Um, there have been a few balloons at the end of uh, air shows in the past, but they've not been used properly really. And um, people have just ignored them and gone home. So you've got to know what you're doing with them and um, and how to use them. Uh, but they uh, make a fantastic end of the day. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I know when um, not not quite the same scale, but uh, I used to go to chats with Country Fair a lot, and they used to do an, an e- a morning and an evening balloon um, session. 
it's actually quite after a busy day of i mean i guess it's kind of similar for an air show you've got all that noise and things like that at the end of a busy day it's quite nice just watching this these beautiful warm orange glows sort of sporadically appear and then all these balloons of different shapes and sizes just disappear so i think it is quite nice to have something a bit different we also have night fire which is uh takes place on the friday Mm. Uh, and that combines everything that combines uh an air display in the afternoon slightly shorter but still significant generally we get the red arrows for that as well on on the friday Um, and that leads into uh, a big balloon lift a big ascent and then uh, after that we've got the pyro teams come in tim jews uh, and his son do the pyro display um, this year. I think we've got um, uh, three displays all, all doing pyrotechnics. And then we go into the balloon glow, which, again, if you've not seen that, is very spectacular. Uh, and that's when it's dark and all the balloons uh, illuminate their bar- illuminate their envelopes uh, to music. And we've got big oh, cool. 20-metre flames shooting out of other baskets and things it's and it's very good all finished off with fireworks so that's something a little bit different again it's probably the best night night show in the in the country mm. uh, and then on the saturday and sunday of course we're, we're more traditional with the air display how do you juggle all of that how do you juggle having <laughs> you know half a dozen different elements and a weekend display to do and a friday display to do and a night show to do and all the balloons how how does how, how do you work that out? Coffee and Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Supplied by the Flying Bulls. And an unlimited supply of hats of different types. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, well, this is it, you see. This is where we are unique. We've got the knowledge of, of how to do this and how to integrate balloons and displays and night shows. Um that's our thing you know flying legends are all warbirds they know warbirds yeah uh and their audience is impressed by 12 spitfires in a formation um ours audience probably would not be more impressed than seeing two spitfires uh, with the story that's attached to the spitfire and a hurricane and you know the lancaster and stuff so our audience um which is this is which is the good part about it is is the difference a different audience to mm-hmm. other shows, and I think that's not something that we think that denigrates us. We think that that strengthens the air show industry that we we are developing different audiences for different types of show, 100%. and there is a crossover. Yeah, we've got the jets. That is the crossover, um, mm. but I would say like for instance, I would love to have the um, the mm-hmm. new Tempest. Um, I would love to have that at our show. It's a lot of money. Um, but for most of our audience, it wouldn't mean much more um, than another warbird, like the Bearcat. We had the Bearcat last mm-hmm. year. Um, and I don't think the Tempest would have the impact that it would have uh, at an enthusiast show. Um, I, several of our team, uh, Pete Anderson, our commentator, uh, would love to, you know, all crawling over the tempers, but I don't think it's vital for us us to have it, 
because although it would please a few of our audience, it would be just another big warbird to most of our audience. So sure, um, yeah, that's that's the difference. You know, we we choose our choose our aircraft very wisely. We still have the the turbs doing the stuff for the kids, limbo dancing, balloon bursting, wing walkers, all that stuff. You've got to have that to bring in the non-aviation people. And of course, the Red Arrows always is a, a major part of a show like ours. Fingers crossed for this year, which is a very difficult year um, for, the, for the Arrows, because mm-hmm. they've, uh, you know, they're not going to be doing a lot of their stuff in the middle of the summer. So mm. fingers crossed that we're even going to get them or anybody's going to get them. So, but we've been very fortunate with uh, MOD in the past. Um, you know, we've um, given back as much as we can in terms of social media uh, and promotion. We hope they'll come back in a nine ship uh, format, which is uh, what, the, what the plan is at the moment. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that's the thing that draws in the, the non-aviation people. You know, it's something they can relate to. Once mm. you've got them there, you can then... Um, Put the warbirds. You can put the Spitfires, the Hurricanes, and the story, and the the fighters, and the and the reheat, and all that stuff that that goes with all the other aspects of the show. You can then demonstrate that to uh, the non-aviation people, and then you've got them. Yeah, you've got them hooked. They'll come back again. Whereas if you give them a stream of exotic warbirds, as as, as delicious as they are, uh, and I cite, for instance. Uh, let's say um, uh, the difference between a 109 uh, and a Bouchon. A 109 <laughs> with its real engine. You know, there's four people here that would go bananas over a, a 109 with its real engine. Yeah. Uh, but as far as my audience is concerned, if they saw a Bouchon and a 109 with its real engine, it wouldn't make the slightest bit of difference. They're both looking at a German fighter. Yeah. yeah, I think I actually think that's the perfect example of, of uh, uh, I don't know what the, the term would be like the, the watermark for whether you understand what go how, how to, the air show industry has to work or not. Yes, we all, as you say, we all want to see a real one hundred and nine. Yeah, and it's a conversation we've had between us quite a few times about. Even with a Bouchon, if we want to see a Bouchon, I'd rather see a Bouchon in Spanish markings than German markings, personally. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah. that's not the, the airshow industry won't work without its Messerschmitts to shoot down. Exactly. Yeah. You've got to have what, what I always try and do is relevance. If you're going to have a shoot down, I'm, and I'm, this is something for next year. Personally, I want a, um, uh, a Mark One Spitfire. Uh, fighting a uh, a 109 with a real engine. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> to me, that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now we've had over the years, and I'm not I'm not denigrating it. Over the years, we've seen many Bouchons and Mark Nines fighting, and then branded as a Battle of Britain fight, the dogfight. Mm-hmm. Well, a Mark Nine um, was never in the Battle of Britain. Yeah. If it's yep. going to be relevant, it should be a Bouchon or a 109 and a Mark One because basically that's that's what you saw. Mm. So um, I like relevance. Um, I don't particularly like um, 
disparate disparate um, formations where you just put formations of stuff together because they are bigger. Got to be relevant. Uh, but that's just me. It might have been around probably too long. <laughs> <laughs> Way too long. <laughs> no, we're all benefiting from it, aren't we? So there's no such thing as too long. I think a lot of us would actually agree with it as well. I think a couple yeah. of years yeah. ago, um, Cosford had the Arviators and the Vulcan. Just why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Just just because you can doesn't mean you should. I I can't I, I I do refrain from commenting on other people's shows, uh, but ge- as a general point, where's the relevance between that? I don't know. Or the blades in an A four hundred. Yeah, it's um, it's because you can do it. Should you? That's the answer, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if, it's, if it adds, if it, if whatever the formation is adds to mm-hmm. the uh, excitement or the or the emotion then fine do it um and i you know <clears throat> i've i've sat in the uh, on the commentary seat in flying legends for many many years probably you know 14 15 years uh, and they've always done a very good balbo at the end but it's all relevant it's all yeah world war ii stuff um mm. of all theaters yeah that's good uh and the big um spitfire uh what i call them uh, opening uh, the orchestra of, the, of Merlin, uh, or I forget what I called it now. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, loads of Spitfires for that audience. They loved it. Yeah. For our audience, I don't think, apart from the fact it'd be highly expensive uh, <laughs> to to spend fifty grand of your budget on eight minutes of yeah twelve Spitfires. Um, yep. I don't think it would be value for money for us. When you go and see uh, a show like Cywell or, or um, Flying Legends, then yeah, it's a, it's an enthusiast show, and um, yeah, the money's worth it. I, I hope. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which um, Richard uh, every success with this. Uh, well, what would be called a Flying Legends Mark Two, I would think. Um, yeah, safely say. Well, f- funny enough, he was the the. We our last episode, um, we we actually Dom and I and, and Ian went over to uh, to Cywell to speak to him about it, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, I think it it is one hundred percent an enthusiast show, uh, and as you say, a completely different audience, completely different yeah. audience, and um, there's a slot for the Flying Legends slot now. If Flying Legends can't or don't want to come back again, um, then you know that's the next. Uh, iteration of Flying Legends will be Cywell. Uh, yeah. and good and good on him. You know, we need another yeah. another Flying Legends. If if uh, Flying Absolutely. Legends, you know, are to finish, then we need that that show to fit that slot in the in the in the calendar. Definitely, we we do. But it's I think the the things the industry. I mean, you, I'm sure they could carry on, but you. In the long term, you you can't live off these enthusiast shows, can you? Because you need shows like Midlands to to have that to, to to bring aviation to people, to bring in people who had no contact with it before, who learn about it and get interested in. And that's that's you you need them; they have to exist. And there's another thing that people uh, need to need to understand is when I started out in uh, in air shows, uh, Great Warbirds, um, 
fighter meet at uh, Northfield, there were an awful lot of people still living that were in the war. Mm. Yeah, loads of them, loads of families, loads of granddads, loads of dads even that that were uh, conscripted after the war into the RAF. You know, the, the, the emotion and the history of that era was still there, right there. <clears throat> We've lost that now. Virtually all of those people now have passed on. Mm. And we've got, um, we've got second-hand emotion. I think that's part of the song, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> 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 or I second that emotion. Anyway, we've, we've got um, second-generation emotion now. Um, my granddad, who used to fly in the RAF, he's dead now. Um, that sort of thing. But before, <clears throat> he was still alive and he was there buying a ticket. Mm. We've got to rekindle that spirit, of the, you know, the Winston Churchill spirit, which is quite difficult with young people these days because they never experienced it. Mm. It's, it's, it is a distant memory to them or not even a memory. So to get yeah. them to um, coo and... Uh, uh, you know, fall over at the site of a Spitfire um, is much more difficult now than it was during the Great Warbirds, for instance. Yeah. You know, we had Dame Vera Lynn, um, you know, and all sorts of stuff there, which which tapped into the emotions of, of the British public. Not so easy now to tap into the same emotions. Sure. Uh, mm. Just just because you've got a load of Spitfires doesn't mean that the the audience are going to go bananas over it you know some will some will some won't which is which is where as you say the relevance comes in yeah you, you need a story to tell i suppose yeah you do yeah you need a story and you need to inspire people mm -hmm. uh to come and, and watch air shows which are you know a fantastic day out no getting away from it if a if you've got the air show right and the audience right and the, and the venue right, it's a wonderful day out uh, and good value for money as well. You know, much better value for money than a, um, a music festival sometimes because, you know, how many times have you been to a festival, music festival, where you go because you want to see one band? Mm. But you're yeah. spending 300 quid on a ticket to see six bands that you don't like and one that you do. Uh, and wade around in mud. You know, I've done it. <laughs> in there, I have been that man. Yeah, but I think we, we've all been to a few air shows where we've been wading around in mud as well anyway, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you haven't been to, the, haven't been to Midlands. <laughs> we, we don't wade around in mud. It's not one of the things we do. <laughs> wade around with a, with a glass of pins, maybe. <laughs> Much more civilised. Much more civilised. Yeah. You've reached out to a fair amount of foreign civilian acts is there ever the interest to uh, or to appeal to the foreign military uh simply yes we we always look at it we're always we're looking at every aspect of what's out there uh and if it's relevant to us and it's achievable um some of the stuff is not achievable not to us achievable to others with uh, military connections um, we are looking at constantly looking at uh, military from uh, other countries and we've got some feelers out uh, we had some feelers out this year uh, but uh, nothing came of it but yes we are and 
we would always um, put that on our on our ladder of uh, mm -hmm. building the show. So yes, yeah, watch this space basically. That's no, nothing's ruled out at the Midlands mm -hmm. Air Festival. Nothing. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll have a crack at anything uh, as long as it's uh, it, it it's not too specific. You know, we're we've got to remember what our audience is. We love our, our audience. They they are massive supporters of us. They all they all think that they're special when they come. You know, they come to a, a different show, which is different. Mm. And um, you know, we we look after them. And uh, so you know, come along, be one of the gang. Really, uh, it's different. It's it's not the same as Duxford. It's not the same as Flying Legends or React. Uh, but you're still going to have a damn good day out, and uh, you, you'll like it. We've never had a complaint about it anywhere. Really. No, I've been the last three years. Uh, you know, oh, wait, you should have as, said I'll give you a ticket. <laughs> well, I think the, the part, part of the main reason, there's a couple of reasons I go. First of all, I live in Birmingham, so it's a local event. Um, I've never had any traffic issues getting in or out. You know, 45 minutes door to door. I'm sitting there in my chair. Second main reason is it's my birthday weekend, so I always get a free ticket anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll, I will always support. Really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I'll always support a local event. Yeah, and you know, I, I've I've said to the guys before that yeah, you know, every air show I go to, you know, I take the camera and I'll go as an enthusiast. Whereas Midlands Airfest is the opposite. I go, I leave my camera at home. I go with someone who isn't interested in aviation and we just have a good day out well we've just, won them just, just thank you very much yeah. Yeah. yeah you are the exact people that that we love to have yeah. um one that knows about aviation and brings somebody else that doesn't and then and you've been three years yeah. <clears throat> you've helped to build our show so thank you very much and um, that's exactly what we're up to yeah i'll see you again this year <laughs> and i think i'll be saying the same as well yeah, I think I'll be there as well. Actually, now. <laughs> yeah, looks like the uh, looks like the accreditation list uh, for press passes. Is <laughs> How can I say no now? <laughs> Leave your names on the desk. <laughs> one, one, and it's a very, very quick question. I think you've just you've sort of alluded to it. I presume there's no risk of unless the caravan, caravan club gets snippy again. But um, there's no risk of Midlands Air Festival disappearing from Ragley Hall anytime soon. I, I presume you're sort of here to stay. No, we're fully armed now, and um, they wouldn't dare to try it. So, <laughs> no, we've, um, they're, they're absolutely delighted. The, mm. uh, the family uh, who run the, uh, the who own the estate are delighted with the show, um, uh, and they all come out and have a great time as well. So, no, that was a one-off. Um, and uh, we've made sure that that's uh, never going to happen again. So Brilliant. We're there for as long as we want to be there. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, it's been a good hour already, so I think that's probably uh, a good good length to, to finish on, but I think uh, we couldn't let you go without asking the obvious golden question, what would your dream act be? What, of existing aircraft... Yeah, or well, well, or, or it could be both. anything. Let's it could go be for both. both. Go for both. Yeah. Dream aircraft for for Midlands. Well, for my audience, probably Concorde. Mm. Uh, followed closely by uh, the Vulcan. Mm -hmm. 
and my personal dream aircraft would be a Bristol freighter. Very niche. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and for my audience, they'd love it <clears throat> because it looks different. Yeah. It sounds different. It's low and slow. It's big and it's highly unusual. And it was the first job, proper paid job I had when I left school was working on a Bristol freighter at Southampton Airport. Fantastic. Oh, wow. That's cool, that. Closely followed by a, a handy page, Dart Herald, and uh, what we used to call in those days blow lamps, which were the um, BAC 111s. Wow. <laughs> started off when I left school. I actually started off even before I left school at Southampton Airport doing a, uh, a freelance portering job. So I would carry bags for people for money. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, that was because they never had any uh, baggage trolleys. And my mother, who worked in the traffic office there, said one day, why do you stop laying about and do something, come down and carry bags for people to the check-in desk, and um, uh, they'll they'll tip you. So we tried it one day, and they did, and uh, bought a new car out of it. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) And then they gave me a job. Uh, uh, with uh, uh, British or British United Airways or whatever they were called uh, at that stage, uh, BIA, I think, British Island Airways. They gave me a job, and I was making a quarter of what I made uh, carrying bags, <laughs> actually getting a job. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's way back in history. Yeah. Well, if they can get a Vulcan flying again, I'm sure they can get a Bristol freighter. So, well, there is one. There is one, isn't there, in the country now? Yeah, uh, it's being restored. I'm not sure whether it's being restored to flying condition. It certainly should. Um, I chartered the very last Bristol freighter in this country um, by almost by mistake, uh, just before it um, had an accident and wrote itself off. We were at the Kemble Air Show, and I believe it was the. Heathrow anniversary, and there was a big formation flew over Heathrow, including uh, the Instone um, Bristol Freighter, which was immaculately restored. And uh, we were halfway through the show, and the freighter called up uh, Campbell, uh, and it was uh, in the area. Would you like me to come in? And they asked him, well, okay, um, what are you going to do? Oh, well, just come in and be static. Yeah, okay. He said, I, I, need four, just, I need 400 quid's worth of uh, fuel. And I heard this on the radio, and there was an umming and ahhing about whether they should pay the 400 quid. So I came up on the radio and I said, yeah, commentary here. Um, we'll cover the 400 quid. Get, get the freighter in. So he landed and um, opened, up his, uh, opened up his doors. It was a massive success at the show. Um, and then about three weeks later, he... Uh, uh, spun it on takeoff, I think it was, uh, and wrote the thing off. So, in effect, wow. I, I was the last one to charter a, a Bristol freighter <laughs> in, in this country. Wow. <laughs> what a claim to fame. By mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a brilliant and, I dare say, unexpected note <laughs> to end the episode <laughs> on. You didn't see that one. Didn't have that on my no. Card, yeah. uh, well, thank you. Thank you for the story. And, I was also the first one to um, put the red arrows with the the Vulcan, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the last, um, the last Great Warbirds show, 
and uh, we wanted to do something special for Ellie, basically. Mm. Uh, Ellie Salingbo, who, who ran the show, um, who now runs and has run for nearly 50 years, the B-17, Sally B. Um, and I decided, but well, wouldn't it be a great idea to put the Reds with the, um, I should say, the Arrows? Did you know that that was the official nickname uh, for the Red Arrows? It's the Arrows, not the Reds. Really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in the know... Okay. You'll be calling them the arrows from now on. <laughs> but anyway, can't wait to drop that one in the group. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got hold of um, squadron leader Andy Stewart, uh, who I'd known, you know, from other other shows mm. with, the, with the Red Arrows, and I said, you know, why can't we do it? And he there's a big silence, and he said, well, there's no reason why we can't do it as long as um, everybody's in agreement. I said, well, let's let's work on it then. So we did, and uh, three days before the show, I think we actually got the go-ahead that it was happening. And dear old Ellie um, just would not accept that we'd done it because it was so um, left field at that time. Yeah. Nobody flies with the Red Arrows. They don't form mate with anybody. Is it really not a thing back then? No, absolutely not. No, it was, it was massive right. then. Yeah, so... Um, uh, she didn't believe it until the Vulcan and the Red Arrows came out of the mist wow. on, the, on, on the day. And it came past, and they were tightly packed. They were never, they were never as close as that day, ever <laughs> again, even wow. though it was done afterwards. It was done you know, several times afterwards. Yeah. And uh, we were going to get one pass, and I think they did three because they, they were all enjoying themselves. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my claim to fly. Me and Andy Stewart... Uh, we put together the first Red Arrows formation display with the with the Vulcan. Wow! How about that? So you can finish that as well. Yeah, two two extraordinary pieces of British <laughs> aviation history. Nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Another a, a little corollary to that. Um, I found my um, uh, sister-in-law, uh, her husband, on that weekend as well. <clears throat> who happened to, to be a backseater um, in the F4 Phantom. And uh, he was bringing the, he brought the, the spare Phantom in. Uh, and uh, she said, oh, she was a bit depressed. Um, and she said, oh, I said, what's the matter with you? She said, I want to I wanna, I wanna marry a pilot with a BMW in his own plane. <laughs> I chucked her in the back of the Jeep. And took her to the apron, and uh, John was just putting the aircraft away, putting the putting the covers on. I said, "John, what?" I said, uh, "Show this girl around the cockpit, will you?" Uh, and because she was a very attractive girl, and um, he said, "Of course, yes." I said, "Oh, by the way, do you still have, have you still got your BMW?" He said, "Yes, yeah, Series Three. <laughs> I said, "Well, make sure she knows." <laughs> <laughs> Two years later, they got married. Oh, wow, so that's three endings. Well, I was going to say, I don't know whether I can, I can, can I sign off yet? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, oh fantastic! Oh, there's, yeah, there's a lot more stories. So maybe, maybe, um, maybe we should have the late night podcast as well. And I can tell you some even more stories. <laughs> you car after dark. Absolutely. <laughs> well, maybe we'll. we'll... Maybe we need to have another episode, another another uh, show with you on just just recounting some stories from your your so. career in history. Then there, there's quite a few. Uh, I, I, I'll think of other people to bring on as well. Oh, there's some other 
other other people that um, might be able to um, do that as well. You know, bring some strange stories with. That'd be really good. We'd love that. If if, if 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 of course they want to let those stories into the public domain, which is <laughs> well, we can always anonymise it and have some voice masking technology and all of that if they need it. Voiced by an actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll uh, I'll put a plastic bag over me head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can say goodbye there. Probably. Yeah, good. First of all. Thank you very much for coming on, Trev. It's been an absolute delight. I think we've, we've really enjoyed hearing your stories and hearing about Midlands Airfest and and everything about it. Um, been really, really illuminating. So thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure, guys. And um, yeah, anytime. Anytime if, uh, you want to know anything that's going on at the Midlands Air Festival, give us a shout. Will do. Thank you very much. Um, and hopefully we'll have you on the show again. Um, so... That's been another episode of the UK Airshow Review podcast. Uh, we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at UK Airshow Review. Uh, we have a website, airshows.co.uk, where you can read all of our reviews, including past reviews of Midlands Airfest, as well as feature reports and interviews. And we have a forum, which is very active, where we've always got discussions going on about various airshows, about aviation in general, as well as some pretty active photo threads, which is forums.airshows.co.uk. Thank you for listening and see you in another episode. Goodbye.